0: Okay, so this this weekend, longer weekend, most important uh, spiritual week of the year. You have Holy Week. Obviously, it culminates on Sunday with Easter. Um, but I think we're really called to to do our best this whole week to just try and enter into uh, Jesus's sacrifice and what He did for us. And that's something we can spend our whole life, and we should spend our whole life pondering and and asking God to teach us more and more about but really to challenge ourselves and say, okay, let me really explore what Jesus did for me personally um, and what that means for my life. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, is the Last Supper. And I think, uh, quick note, I just want to mention this because I think it's probably something we don't have too much knowledge of because most of us don't know too much about like uh, Jewish history or Jewish culture. Some of it gets lost. Um, but Jesus is instituting on the last supper he's instituting a new Passover well what was the first Passover right when the Israelites are leaving Egypt uh, the spirit of God is passing over uh, Egypt and people were going to die what was their only means of salvation how are they going to save themselves That's right. So the blood of the lamb, they put it across wooden doorpost over your home. And so the blood of the lamb on the wooden post, if it was there, the Spirit of God passes over you and you were saved. He did not die. Well, obviously there's some really rich symbolism there, right? Uh, Jesus' blood would go on this wooden post and uh, we would now be able to be saved because of uh, what he did. Um, And so at the Last Supper, he's saying, this is my flesh, uh, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. Um, So he's saying through his body and through his blood, we can now achieve salvation. Right. So his cross and his death wasn't just obviously about himself. He's offering us a new Passover, a new means of salvation. And we're going to get into that today for each of you what does it mean to really carry your cross because i'm sure you guys have heard that plenty of times going to church jesus said if you want to be a disciple of mine you're called to carry your cross now that can be really small or really big um i think it's probably a mistake if you think later in my life i'm gonna have one big cross i'm gonna carry that may be true but i'm gonna say today wednesday you're gonna have a bunch of small crosses you're gonna carry turner you spoke er earlier this year and I know I took a ton away from what you said about um, going through injury and how you had a, a serious cross and uh, it was something you struggled with but ultimately made you physically, spiritually stronger. Um, and so for all of us, it's saying, okay, when we look at our crosses on a daily basis, sometimes they're real small ones on Wednesday, why is God giving me this cross? Right? And the Bible tells us that uh, God works for good, for those who love him, everything is for our good. It doesn't say God does or gives easy stuff to people who love him. He says it's for our good. So sometimes the good he's giving us can be a real challenge. So two things we're going to look at today. First is Jesus speaking about his own death. Because I think death is a really hard hard thing for all of us. To think about your own death or someone you love, to think about their death is extremely challenging. But to me it's so interesting when you hear Jesus speak about his own death, and how he offers you know, a truly God, God, godly perspective on it. Uh, this is in John 12. I'll start in verse uh, 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew went to Philip and then told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He says, the son of man, he's referring to himself. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him now is my soul troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour no for this purpose I have come to this hour so Jesus speaking about his own death is he running away from his own cross no, it's a, it's a full on embrace right now we later find out in the garden that he, you know, he experiences a ton of anguish saying father you know, if you will it take this cup for me but not as I will as you will. So it wasn't easy for him, right, in any means. But he's embracing uh, his cross, and he knows, Jesus has this clarity. He knows God has given me this mission, and I'm on earth for this mission. So it's going to be the hardest thing anyone's ever done. But ultimately, this is my mission, right? There's another example in the Gospels where he tells his disciples, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem and be uh, I'm gonna have to suffer, and I will be crucified. And Peter basically says to him, "Like Lord, this this can't be true. Like don't say it." And Jesus offers a super harsh rebuke. He he tells him, "Be off, Satan! Right? You think as man does, not as God." Um, obviously, Jesus loved Peter very much, but he was very clear with his words, and he was very clear about his cross. When it came to his cross. There was nobody, no one else's opinion besides God that mattered. He was saying, this is my mission. This is the cross God has given me. And no matter how hard, I'm going to take up that cross. Now, two more things before we go to the second story today. It says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There's a lot of stuff in me that needs to die. And there's, it's probably the same for you. And that's not obviously talking about physical, it's, it's spiritual. So it could be selfishness, it could be greed, it could be lust, um, it could be the desire to be recognized, the desire to have other people always praising you. All of those things, Jesus is saying, those things, when we can give them to God and we no longer need Let's take an example. We no longer need other people to praise us. When we can let that die and, and give that up to God, here's what he says. If we can do that, you will bear much fruit. So he's saying God will then, you will see the good works and the fruit of these works multiply in front of you. Right? God's will will be done in your life. But as long as we hold on to those things, right? If we, it says if we love our life, Right? If you want to be first, if you want to be recognized, if you want other people to pat you on the back, if you always want things to just be smooth and easy, right? Jesus said you, you may get what you want. You may be able to hold on to those things. But ultimately, you're not embracing your cross. Um, and at that point, you're not bearing much fruit. Now, obviously, this was the plan of salvation, but just for a moment, think of Jesus didn't hit, embrace his cross. Right? He's the new Passover. He's the means of salvation. And we don't. We can never. Ha- we can never have his cross, but he does make c- clear that we have our own, and that we're called to embrace our own. So just think for a moment. What in my life needs to die? What am I holding on to spiritually? That is keeping me from getting closer to God. I know of a lot of things that I'm trying to work on, um, and it's and it's that's what Jesus makes the point of. It's a day to day struggle and battle. But if you accept the challenge, just like a workout, you may not. You may not make your runs every single day. right? But if you show up to practice every single day with the right mindset, you're going to get better. You're going to get closer to your goals. If spiritually you're reading the Bible every day, if you're going to church every single week, if you're engaging in prayer from your heart, you're going to have really tough days. That stuff's going to happen. But you're picking up your cross every day, and you're getting closer to the Lord. Right, Those two things are really similar. Um, Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 16 I think there's uh, a really important thing about carrying your own cross when you say okay I want this part of me to die because it's keeping me from getting closer to God and you feel you've really started to give yourself over to God it doesn't mean things will get easy necessarily but Jesus did say you will bear much fruit So here's an example of what jesus said in acts chapter 16 paul has really died to himself right he wanted to be famous he wanted to probably be rich he wanted to be really popular Um, he wanted to be the greatest the greatest pharisee there was right smarter than everybody better than everybody obviously jesus just you know rocked his world changed his life and it was a complete 180 Um, and at that point he died to all of those things. He no longer wanted to be rich. He no longer wanted to be popular or recognized. All he cared about was doing the work that God set out for him. And so here we see what it means to carry your cross. And when you do die to your own will and give into to God's will, how you bear much fruit. So I'm just going to, this is a little bit uh, lengthy, but I think there's a lot in here. So I'm going to read to you and then we'll just reflect on it for a moment. Okay, so it's Paul's vision of the man in Macedonia, Acts chapter 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come opposite of Asia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Myasia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing, pleading with them and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Setting sail there from Tros, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and following the day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia, And a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down, we spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatria, a seller of purple goods, who is a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to listen to what was said by Paul. And when she was baptized with her household, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by saying She followed Paul and us, crying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul was annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the market, placed them before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs which is not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, charging their jailer to keep them safely. Having received this charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them about and said, Men, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and was baptized at once with all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and rejoiced with all his household, and he believed in God. Why did God call Paul to go to Macedonia? You guys tell me. Who are the people he encounters there? That woman, the lady that was possessed and the uh, jailer. Okay, so you have uh, really three different groups here. All right. You have Lydia... And you have the possessed slave girl and then the jailer and obviously everyone's families is uh, involved as well. What about for Paul and Silas? Uh, do you think this was like a fun or enjoyable trip from most people's perspective? Not at all, right? So you go back to where this started. Uh, Paul has a vision in the night. Come over to Macedonia and help us. That this man is crying out. And Paul knows that the Holy Spirit is speaking to him through this vision. But the vision doesn't say, Come over here and uh, life's going to be easy or good or smooth. Not at all. But you have to remember, at this point, Paul is totally ready to carry his cross, whatever that may mean. Because if you fast forward to the end of the story, you know, you have this really unique. Encounter where prison walls break down and he says that we are all still here. So none of the prisoners had fled because clearly they can see there's something, some power of God, they don't know who Jesus is at this point, many of the Roman prisoners, but some power of God present in these men, Paul and Silas, and they're in, in the fear of God and they stay present in the prison with Paul and Silas. Now why was the jailer going to kill himself? Anyone know why? I don't know, like a tradition, like if you didn't do your job, you had to kill yourself or something? Yeah, just Roman law. If you were in charge of a prison and even one guard escaped, you'd be put to death. So he was terrified because everyone was about, not just one person, everyone was about to be out of prison. And he was going to give himself what he thought was the easier way out, right? So Paul steps in and says, you know, don't do that. It saves his life. Uh, but you can see here, God is using Paul, saying, okay, I have, this, I have this person, Paul and Silas. Let's say these two people. From God's perspective, he says, I have two people that I know that are going to carry their cross. And through two people who are willing to carry their cross, they can bear much fruit. A spirit was cast out of this slave girl. Her life has changed forever. Right. Lydia she's baptized her and her entire household, their life has changed forever, and then the slave owner or the the jailer same thing him and his entire household is baptized their life has changed forever. This is what it means to carry your cross to die to yourself, and to bear much fruit, or you're going to be God may ask you to do things that are uncomfortable, he may ask you to do things that are not enjoyable. Um, but that's what it means to carry your cross, and that that's e- you know easy for me to say and, and hard for all of us to do. But I think it's always we just always need to turn back to Jesus and say, okay, how did He view His life? Right, He spoke of His life as as a mission, and interesting too when He talks about His death, He He doesn't use the word death very often. Uh, A few times in the gospel, Jesus actually refers to his death as his exodus. Obviously, he's referring back to Moses and the great exodus, but basically saying he's passing from this earth into his kingdom in heaven. And so when we start start to put on the mind of Christ and say, okay, my life isn't necessarily about me today or my goals or my wants, then we can start to have the perspective of Jesus and say, you know what, I may have a pretty tough day today. Things may be hard, but if I carry that cross with a willing heart, I'll bear much fruit. And so there's surely hard things in each of your life. And I would say pick something small today, because uh, for me it really helps the small practices of carrying your cross helps me a lot so when you come to that bigger cross where you're like man god this is really hard i don't know if i can do it you've had you know the past hundred days of practices where god's given you small crosses to prepare you for the bigger ones in your life and sometimes we think about that's a bad thing like man later in life you're gonna have hard things happen to you and whatever well you know that, that that can be very true but just think about like paul in this example if somebody was speaking to like young Paul, they're probably not telling them, oh, bad stuff's going to happen to you later and your life's going to get hard. Well, that can be true, but what is the perspective you're taking? Are you viewing that as a punishment from God and saying, God, why me? Why is this happening? Or are you, like Paul, putting Jesus' words into action saying, well, I've died to myself, so I don't want to be famous or rich or praised by everybody or accomplish ABC. The only thing I want is to do God's will. When we can get to that point, then the hard things in our life are no longer viewed as curses. They're viewed as blessings. Anyone know the name of the man who helped carry Jesus' cross? His name appears a lot in the gospel. Simon, Simon of Cyrene. It said that he came in from the country um, probably at the end of a long day's work, and he was chosen out of the crowd probably a really big strong guy and I'm just speculating but I can imagine him thinking why the heck did you pick me right because now that was a huge point of shame to carry what he thought was a criminal's cross he probably thought are you got to be kidding me right there was no bigger shame upon him and his family to carry a criminal's cross to a crucifixion that what he put maybe that was the greatest curse of his life was truly the greatest blessing. He got to carry the literal cross of Jesus Christ, right? What an honor for him. Now, he may have never known that his whole life. He may have never realized it, right? But God made him big for a reason. He put him in that place for a reason, and he gave him what may have felt like a curse, the greatest blessing of his life. So we've got to really challenge ourselves and say, what are the things that are happening in my life that I don't like I don't want to do and I don't understand why they're happening because you may, not have, you may not have the answers I know for myself there's a lot of times where I say God I don't get it I don't know why this is in front of me I don't know why I have to do this but ultimately I'm going to go ahead and trust you on this and one prayer I'd, I'd encourage you guys to say um, when things are hard or you're having a really bad day or there's something in front of you that's challenging is just to say Jesus thank you for the cross you've given me Help me to carry it today. Thank you for the cross you've given me. Help me to carry it today. I know it's super helpful for me because it totally reshapes my mindset. It's no longer about complaining or thinking, why me, God? But opposed to saying, okay, if Jesus carried his cross, if he basically ran to his mission, if he ran to the cross with open arms because he loved us, surely I can go through my day and pick up my cross.